air, air, air. Is that the rock intro? It's rock intro. Does that mean we're back? We're back <laughs> again. This is the third time that we are back. We're back. <laughs> we're back again. Back for the third time. Okay, yeah. if this were like... If this were like the third movie in our We're Back trilogy, uh-huh. we need like a clever, a clever Terror and Tacos. This time, we're it's, back for real. It's personal. Or, it's personal or, <laughs> or something like that. Or we like take that. New York. Yeah, we take, we take New- Manhattan. We take Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The shark's coming after you in Jamaica or whatever. Yes. I don't know. Mario Van Peebles cannot save you. Oh, God. Well, uh, we're not going to talk about Jaws today. No, but we are back. We had, you know, you've been super there busy. There was a hiatus. We've both been super busy. Um, it's the Christmas season. It is indeed. And, um, you know, I went off to direct uh, A Christmas Carol, yeah. um, which is still running. It will be running when this show is, sure. when, when this episode It'll is It'll be running released. forever. It'll be I running think. forever. You should go catch it. I have a 50% off code if you need it. So please contact me and I'm totally, it's really cool. There's a lot of really good Dallas talent in the show and it's a beautiful production. And yeah, I don't think I've ever like, I don't, I don't think I've ever like pushed one of my stage shows. Go out there y'all. It's Christmas. Go see Christmas Carol. If you live closer to the Fort Worth area or if you just like to drive, you can also go see young Parker Gray playing Rudolph. Darker Gray. Darker Gray as Rudolph. I hope it's a dark They wouldn't let him keep his mustache. Man, that's because they don't understand the power. They don't understand. (laughs) The other day I saw his girlfriend, Kristen, and I was like, how's Parker doing? And she's like, he looks ridiculous. (laughs) Um, We love you, Parker Gray. We love you. We hope you're having fun. Go root off the shit out of it. Yep. Um, So, hey, something happened last month that I am so happy about. It was a big moment. It was a big moment. And that moment is that you finally got to taste... Taco Palenque. I did. I did. So for the people, since this is is a huge part of your your youth and and your upbringing, let's can you tell can you give the people a little background why sure. this is such a big deal? Uh, Taco Palenque is a big deal to me because um, so it it's a hometown franchise. It opened in Laredo, Texas, mm-hmm. in 1987, nice. which is the year that I graduated from high school, and it was. In an old, they, they, they put it in an old, I think it was a Taco Bell or something sure. that like was open in Laredo for like maybe a year. <laughs> Didn't survive? <laughs> Did not survive. Weird. That's very strange. People were like, what? Uh, so then the, there was this empty, you know, fast food place and um, Laredo family took took it over and opened Taco Palenque and it's, it's the closest, I mean, I don't even want to say it's fast food, but it is kind of fastish okay is there like was there a drive-through there was a drive-through at the time but it was still like uh, you had to wait had to a little wait. bit yeah. Sure, yeah because it, back in the time like there literally was the grandma in the back making the tortillas awesome. uh, which was they're delicious yeah um and so taco palenque has grown and it's all over the valley it's in brownsville it's in del rio it's in mm-hmm. san antonio they just opened one in austin i think round rock round rock yeah that's right uh which is a little north of austin yeah um and it's slowly making its way up to north texas yeah and Part of me is thrilled and part of me um, is concerned because, you know, sometimes sure. when something grows and gets bigger, it loses yeah. the original flavor I'm, of it. While a different thing, I mean, we've seen that torches is different than it yep. was when it was in a in a in an airstream um even alamo draft house is right. very different than it was when right, it was just right. in Austin. So. but like so drew wall our friend drew wall who was who had a huge gig hashtag in, hero hashtag hero was working a huge gig in austin mm-hmm. uh as a carpenter yeah uh for like a big tv show texted me one day and he was like, okay, I've heard you and Lisa Gonzalez talk about Taco Palenque. Mm -hmm. What is the deal? There's one that just opened in Round Rock. Should I go? And I was like, uh, yes, you should go. You should, I don't know why you're texting me. You should be going to Taco Palenque right now and you should order the Pirata Taco. Yes. And so he went and he immediately, like not immediately because he said he had to stand in line for 45 minutes. (laughs) But, um, a few hours later texted me and his text was, and I quote, Oh shit. Yeah. Um, 
And then a few weeks later, when he came home, he said, I have a surprise for you. Yeah. And he had brought me a bag of pirata tacos. That's amazing. Like on his way from Austin to Dallas, he mm-hmm. stopped in Round Rock. Yeah. And brought, met you at the bar. Yeah. He was like, come to the landing. <laughs> yeah. I've got a present for you. And I was like, okay. And, and then you gave one to my wife, who was at the bar, you. to give to me. Yeah, because I really, really have been wanting you to yeah. try Taco Palenque for so many years, and particularly the pirata taco. Yeah, and so like, so I was, you know, I was ready. Uh huh. <laughs> but part of me was like, oh, I hope this lives up. Um, you know, because there's sometimes yeah. we mix nostalgia with with goodness, with or goodness. quality. Yeah, like y'all, Whataburger is not as good as you think. Yeah, it is. it's not as good as you think. And it Californians, is. In-N-Out is not as good as you think. No, it is. I mean um, it's fine. It's but- fine. Sure, they're both fine, but it is wrapped up in so many levels of nostalgia, right? Right. That it's the greatest thing in your mind. Fucking shit. <laughs> like I think I. So the moment I ate it, I texted and I. I, this makes sense to me. I don't know how to explain it. I just texted you. This is what a taco is supposed to be. Yes. And I, that's all. I don't know how else to say it. It yeah. was, I had never had anything quite like it. It was, it was, it was perfection. Yeah. It was it's, perfection. It's, it's like four simple ingredients. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't know what it is. I, I don't know if they're still making their tortillas homemade or, or, or what. But, and I, I instructed Aspen. I said, make sure that he puts it in the oven. Yes. Like, don't put it don't in the microwave. Don't let him microwave it, yeah. Because you know I oven. would have. <laughs> um, it's the best way. But it is a, a flour tortilla with refried beans, mm-hmm. cheddar cheese, yeah. and fajitas. And that, And that's it. And like whatever the fajita is, fajitas are seasoned with. I, I, it was it's, so good. They're seasoned in nothing, Michael. It's just salt and pepper That's because I, I, I'm sorry, y'all. Like I know it's going to sound super, I don't know, presumptuous or, or, or pompous or, or arrogant. But if you have not eaten fajitas in South Texas, if you've never been to Laredo or Brownsville or Del Rio and had fajitas in South Texas, then you've never actually yeah. really had them. No, I mean, I, 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 that is clear to me now. And I like fajitas at different places, but this yeah. was, this was unlike anything. And what's even, was even sort of bolder, uh, like for a minute, Aspen was like, cause you know, Aspen doesn't eat meat. She was like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to have that. Cause it smells good. Yeah. Uh, I don't even, I'm not even normally a huge fan of refried beans. Like yeah. that's not. They're so good in there. Yeah. It's fu- I, look, y'all. I don't know, man. It's perfect. Like I said, it is what a taco is supposed to be. When other tacos die, I feel like they go to this yeah, they, taco the, heaven. It's where they want to go. Yeah. Everybody, every taco wants to be a taco. Yeah, blanket. it's so good. And so, yeah, if you're in the, I guess, Austin Round Rock area, you have one now. Mm-hmm. And then they're throughout South Texas. They're right? throughout South Texas, San Antonio, New Braunfels. Um, I think they have them in San Marcos too. Um, and they are just, I mean, when I, when I dream of tacos, these are the tacos yeah. that I dream of. They also have other, uh, <clears throat> you know, Tex-Mex foods. They have, they have something that's very common in South Texas that you don't see a lot up here and it's called fideo. And it's basically, it's vermicelli. Yeah. Lisa it's, was talking about it last it's night. basically what it is. Um, and it's a soup that's just vermicelli noodles, but in Spanish we call it fideo. Um, and sometimes you can put meat in it, but most of the time it's just like a tomatoey pasta soup that is just like on a day like this. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. I saw a friend of Lisa Gonzalez, uh, who's from Brownsville. She's from Brownsville. And she was talking about, I Mm -hmm. saw her last night. She was talking about that. Uh, my hope is if it does come North, it stays true. Yeah. Um, but also my hope is if it comes North, those those people who started it make a shit ton of money yeah. because they're making delicious, perfect tacos. And they yeah. should, I, you know, I wish them all the success. They're so good. Yeah, they are. They really are. Like even because Le- Lisa's going, I'm just te- talking about Lisa's personal life. She, she will eventually go home for the holidays uh-huh. at some point. And she was like, yep, I'm, when I get there, <laughs> that's yeah. where I'm going. So. My nephew will, when he passes through uh, Dallas to go see our other family in other places, he will sometimes stop by and just bring me a bag of, Taco Palenque because family is family and yeah. we love each other. It's, uh, so get out there, maybe make a trip. 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's absolutely worth it. If you like fa- if if you like fajitas, if you like refried beans, if you like like really good Tex-Mex food, and you think you know what fajitas taste like, you don't. You don't. You don't. You're you're living a lie. You're living and a lie. And we're here to wake you up, yeah. like the Matrix. Yeah, taco palenque, <laughs> taco palenque. Um, yeah, awesome. And thanks to to well you for say for giving me one Aspen for holding on to it, and, and really for Drew Wall making I mean a heroic journey. Yes, absolutely. Um, Cool. All right. So let's so, talk about serial killers. Let's talk about serial killers. Um, so why did we why did we decide? Oh, we were just at the, we were sitting at the bar talking about movies and what we might want to talk about today. Uh-huh. And I don't know why we started talking about serial killers. So, so we had a strange conversation because mm-hmm. it was you, me, and the great Jeffrey Schmidt. Right. We had a strange, I don't know how we got here, but we had a strange conversation that led us to the topic of Kevin Costner. And we talked about how for so hit and miss of an actor, right? Right. Like he has moments that are absolutely laughable and terrible. Oh my God. And then he also is in some of our favorite movies. Right. But hold on, hold on. I have a brother. (laughs) I have a brother. Damn, dude. Come on, man. Come on. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's my Kevin Costner impression. I have a brother. I have I, a brother. I mean, at some point they were like, don't even, don't try, don't worry yeah. about the accent, man. Yeah. For some reason, Robin Hood is American in this. I, like, have, it's, I have no idea. So he has like these like truly, I mean, legendarily bad performances, right? right? But then he's also in some really great films. No Way Out. Yeah. Bull uh, Durham. Untouchables, Untouchables. Where he really works yeah. well. Um, and I don't watch Yellowstone, but people seem to love him in that. Mm-hmm. So so the three of us were just sort of talking about kind of like the baffling-ness of of, uh-huh. of Costner. And then you brought up a movie that yeah. I had I had not heard of. Yeah, it's a movie from 2010, I think. I think, or 2015. I don't 10, know. 10, I think. 10. Yeah. Called Mr. Brooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the, I, I saw it like, it was early Demick. Um, you know, <laughs> ah, the those, pills of the days. those times when you're like, well, I've never seen this. Sure. I have all the time in the yeah, world. I've got nowhere you to know, be ever. Sometimes, sometimes like before the pandemic, you would be like, I don't have time to waste on a bad movie. Right. Right. But during the you're lockdown, like, you were like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm going to watch this. Yeah. And I might I, watch seven movies in a row. Right, exactly. <laughs> I still do. Um, and I was really surprised, so much so that when I recommended it to you the other day and then watched it again because I knew we were going to talk about it today, so I saw it again and I thought, oh, the movie is not super, super, super great. I think I was more impressed with his performance. He's great in it. Because honestly... I did not even remember the Demi Moore storyline. Yeah, I, 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 which makes she, sense. She showed up, and I was like, "Huh, she's in this Demi Moore." All Is right, this, are we going to have like some weird scene where she's like a virtual version <laughs> of herself, and she walks into like a computer or something? Yeah, she's going to go full '90s thriller. But so I think okay, so Costner plays Mr. Brooks. Yeah, and and this this sort of opened up. The it it falls a serial killer, right? Right. Um, and so it kind of led to a, a larger question, like, what makes a good serial killer movie? Why does it seem at times so hard to make a good serial killer movie? And then we were just going to, like, try to talk, or at least talk about some of the ones we like, or, like, some, why they seem to so many times fall flat. Right. So, Mr. So, Ms. Okay, so let's start with Mr. Brooks. Yeah. I think I really loved the convention of the character of Marshall. Yes. Played by John Hurt. Is it John Hurt? Yes. William yes. or William Hurt. No, it's John Hurt, the brother. William Hurt is John Hurt's brother. John Hurt's the more handsome one that was in <laughs> Network News, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Sorry. The it's more just true. handsome the brother. The more handsome Sorry. brother. But the other one is a better actor. But sure. anyway, um, doesn't matter. It's 50 50. Which 50/50. would you rather have? I don't know. So, Mr. Brooks, I, I really love that convention that he is this like this straight late, super successful American guy, right? Inventor um, who has this voice in his head. And uh-huh. in the movie, the voice is portrayed by John Hurt and yeah. playing a character named Marshall that yeah. is with him all the time, but nobody else sees. sees. Yeah. 
um, and he's married and has a good life and has a daughter. And the movie is, I think the movie is mostly about, about what happens when someone in your family, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. How, how do I put this, Michael? Help me out. It's like, because he, what eventually happens is that he's afraid that his daughter is going to become yes. a serial killer. Right. Um, and you see him like battle with that. Right. Um, I how, how do you deal as a parent when yeah. <laughs> you know your child is- Could be. Could be. And then yeah. turns out, your worst fear is realized. Yes. Um, and he doesn't want to be this way. Right. Like he, I, I don't know. There was just something so kind of like, and I wonder if it's because his acting style is like wooden. But it, it I, I think it, it works. And I think to me, and the, there were places where he was terrifying. Absolutely. And I think that, I don't know. I think maybe because he is sort of wooden. Yeah. <laughs> that when he does flip mm -hmm. it's even more scary. shocking and scary yeah like those moments when him and marshall are having a joke between each other and they start laughing yeah so crazy there was dane cook is also yeah like that that, dude, was that so blew my weird. mind like that isa and i were watching my it mind. the other night and he shows up and isa goes is that Dane yeah, Cook? that is Dane Cook. I was like, yeah, why, what, or why are you so surprised? She's like, I thought that guy had just fucking disappeared yeah, or something. Yeah, it's weird. It's so weird. But he's anyway, there. He's, he's Dane there. Cook. He plays know? an asshole. Yeah. Of course, he's Dane Cook. And um, that scene where he breaks into Dane Cook's apartment and he's like, you wanted this, so okay. Yeah. And the, the way he's lit, the way they light him I don't know. It was just really simple little things that the director did and the editor did to make someone like Kevin Costner just seem like super, super, super terrifying. But yeah. I also think he delivered a really great performance. He does. He does. And look, if you talk about casting being a huge part of the job, right? I can't remember that Hitchcock quote or whatever. It's like 80% of the whatever it is. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, you get a guy, a sort of all-American... I mean, right. like he's Costner has reached a point. I mean, I don't know for the young people, but I mean, he was a huge, like an insanely huge star. Yeah, he was like a Tom Hanks. Yeah, and sort of represented to me was sort of symbolic of like Americana. Right. I mean, he's the guy you get for Field of Dreams. Right. Field right? of Dreams, Bull Durham, yeah. Untouchables, like everything that is wholesome and good and upright about America. That's Kevin Costner. Right. And so when he does play these roles, I. I you don't see that coming. We go. We talk about this. We we talk about it probably more than most people. It's Harrison Ford in, uh, um, what's the what lies beneath? Yeah, right. This is a guy. They're not. I'm not saying Costner and Harrison Ford are the same, but like that casting it's is the same stature. Yeah, though. you don't see that guy going this way. You just right. don't see it. Right, and like once upon a time, there was you know you you if you were that kind of actor. It would be a mistake sure, to take could, a role could, like could that. Kill your career. Right. It's just like No one you wants know, to see Han Solo as a bad guy. Right. Robert Redford did not want to play Guy Woodhouse because he right. was like, I don't want anyone to see me in that light. Right. But and that's why I think that maybe Mr. Brooks went under the radar a little bit. Yeah, and I it's also Yeah, I mean it's a very different type of role mm -hmm. for him. And I think he's great. And I think you're right. I don't know that the rest of the movie is. No, remember, like, remember that movie, Julia and Julia? Yes. <laughs> Where I love the, the Julia Child storyline with Meryl Streep uh -huh. and Stanley Tucci. Yeah. I can do without the other one. I don't, I don't, need I don't give thing. a fuck. Yeah. Like, that's what this is, yes. too. I was like, every time it went to Demi Moore, Demi Moore, I was like, I don't care about a yeah. trust fund baby that wants to be a cop. Like, I don't give a shit. Right. And I think. I think that speaks to, because I was like trying to think about like what, where do these fall apart? If they fall apart, where do they work? If they work. Uh -huh. But I do think that speaks to one of the pitfalls, right? Right. Of the serial killer film, most serial killer films, uh -huh. you usually have the two sides of the story, right? right. You have the, the killer mm -hmm. and then you have the pursuer, whether it's a cop, an FBI agent. Right. A, a journalist right um you know or like even a, 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 an amateur sleuth whatever it is right. and so you really do 
for it to work, you have like they both. They both of those- have to be. They both have to be compelling. Yes, both of those. It's just okay. So, in preparation for this, I was looking up a bunch of the ones. Yeah, that, and I looked at those that, ones you sent that me that I like, and um, mine are oddly like mostly from the seventies and early eighties. But anyway, that makes sense. Yeah, and. Um, this morning I watched Cruising. Man, William bold, Friedkin. Bold choice. Yeah, man. I was like, oh, it's eight thirty a.m. I'll watch Cruising. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, and you know, oddly, I had never seen it, but it's Al Pacino. It's William Friedkin. Uh-huh. Um, it's nineteen eighty. Bo- checks all the boxes yeah. of movies I love. It's intense, man. It's very. It's I, fucking intense. And yeah. the reason I think this speaks to what you're talking about is that. First of all, it's ambiguous at the end. Like right. you, you never really know what is happening, right. or you know what's happening, but at the end, you don't know how it's resolved. Right. And the person who is supposed to be your protagonist, somehow, you are question you, yeah. you you begin to question in the middle of the movie of this person's morality. Yeah, if or, they are trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so the the I think the ones that work are the ones where the 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 serial killer and the person pursuing the serial killer be, begin to melt. Yeah, and it's I think that's really hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, uh, like I went back, I didn't watch it because I just didn't have time or the like inclination to <laughs> feel that way. I mean, I, I know it's become almost sort of They're laughable. to watch sometimes. But there are moments in Seven. Oh, yeah. That I still think are some of the most horrifying moments. Yeah. And like that manages, and I know we like, I know Spacey, I know all that shit. Uh, I get it. Yes, we get it. But we understand. We're still going to talk about yeah, it because, because it's, it's Kevin Spacey it, and, and he's a, a good actor. It's Sorry, y'all. fucking David Fincher and it's right. a classic serial killer movie. There is something interesting in that, in that Spacey is, he's compelling as an actor, but also like we have the model of what he's doing like it is such a clear structural uh-huh. screenwriting directing choice. Like we have the seven sins. This is what's going to happen. We have right. a straight line. And then on the flip side, while their story might not be as maybe as interesting, look, you have Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. And those are two people I, I like to watch. Right. You know, and you have sort of the stereotype of like Freeman's basically like ready to retire. Pitt's the brash young, mm-hmm. whatever. He's Gwyneth Paltrow is married. But like they are still very interesting to watch. Right. And as good as they are as cops, you get a sense pretty early on in Seven that he's better than they are. Right. And so there is a sense of dread throughout that film that it doesn't matter how good of a detective Morgan Freeman is. Mm-hmm. They're they're not going to win. Right. And I would argue in seven, they, they clearly d- they do not clearly win. They clearly don't. They I mean, don't win. I mean, just like in, in Cruising, right. the, the, the cops <clears throat> don't win. Right. You know? The, thing, the goal you thought you were working towards as a cop is not the goal at all because he is multiple steps ahead of you. Right. Right. Um, so, like, those things are interesting to me. I think where they, another, I'll throw this out. Look, it can also be like, what a great role this actor or actress gets to play Mm -hmm. and the rest of the movie sort of falls apart. Right. And I think that that happens a little bit in Mr. Brooks. I agree. And I remember texting you, (laughs) I was watching it and I texted you and I was like, oh my gosh, Michael, I'm sorry. This movie is not as great as I remembered it because I really think I was just more impressed with Costner's performance. I, I agree. And look, I think, this what the movie I'm about to say is a better film overall, but like maybe I'm going to get in trouble. I think Monster. Mm-hmm. Oh, is, we talked about that earlier. I think Monster is great as a vehicle for Charlize Theron. Michael, I I just said those exact words Excellent. to John Flores this morning, which is further proof that we are <laughs> We're separated a brain. at birth. Separated at birth, like because he said, "Well, why don't you talk about Monster?" And I said, "You know what." I think the actual story of Eileen Warnos, like her, a, a documentary about her life, is far more compelling than the movie that was made. That movie, 
it was because Charlize Theron went underwent such a drastic physical transformation. Yes. And that's why people were like, what a great movie. But the movie itself, I don't, okay. No, it's like meandering. It's slow. It lacks yeah. a point of view. Yes, she's great in it. I have, I, and yes, she, oh man. I just don't think it's that good a movie. I sorry, y'all. I, I agree. mean, and I don't think that, I'm sorry, if, if anybody should have gotten an Oscar, it should have been the makeup people. I agree. And, I, and I hope they did because makeup can do a lot. Yeah. And I like Charlize Theron. Me too. But I'm like, uh, makeup doesn't make yeah. a performance. No, and she's fine. So let me, this is coming to veer off, and now, uh, now fuck it. What burn the world? Yeah. If Charlize Theron is not as just ridiculously hot. hot. It's like, come on, y'all. Right. Can I, I could say that, right? Yeah. She is objectively model she is, an, she is an alien from the planet yeah. beautiful. You're like, congratulations You won on the, the genetic genetics. lottery. If not even, not a regular looking person, because God forbid they would exist in Hollywood. No. But if someone who isn't as sort of known for being this stunning right. leading lady. Mm-hmm had played that mm-hmm. would it have would it no. have gotten the or is that just like we're like oh my god look at this beautiful person no. being not beautiful no i can't remember her last name now and i'm i feel dumb because she's one of my favorite actresses but she plays the friend in um in um hereditary the the grandmother's friend and dowd and dowd if Anne dowd had played eileen warnos Oh man, she's been fucking great. She would have been fucking awesome. But, <laughs> but no, would she have gotten yeah. an Oscar? No. Mark Margot Martindale had right. in the back in the day had played Eileen Warnos. Would have been uh, Margot Martindale to me is the greatest living American actress. Yeah, and I'll never <laughs> will never get But she'll never, never get, the, get cre- the credit. She'll she never deserves. get the credit she deserves no. because she doesn't look like you know, even Meryl Streep oh sure right i'm um oh i mean god we live in a world where people are like well meryl streep's the dowdy neighbor like are you are you fucking kidding me fucking kidding me yeah um yeah and look i think obviously with women in hollywood it's it's even more extreme but i mean you even see it with dudes like oh my god look what jared leto did to his hair Uh, who fucking cares i don't give a fuck about jared leto me neither like i think he is an Asshole. I agree. And it's like, I, I, you know, I and follow you, him. I, I don't follow him, but like he pops up on my Insta. Sure, of course. And because he just he's made, he just made House Christy. of Gucci. Yes. Yes. Right. That's what I was actually thinking right. about how he looks in House of Gucci. And I'm like, man, in, in, in all the red carpet stuff, I'm going, he's really killing the red carpet looks like he looks really great, but he's an Asshole, so yeah. I don't care. And also, I don't give a fuck that he wore a prosthetic nose in House of Gucci. No. He's an asshole. Yes, and like you said, and again, I'm not trying to attack Charlize Theron because I actually really love her, but there that's a team of people doing that. Right. I, even probably Leto's red carpet look has yeah, a of team of people, right? And I'm like, I don't even think, I mean, he's not as good an actor as Kevin Spacey. No. I'm not. I mean, so it's the same thing. It's like, it's, it's not like... It's the thing that I come back to all the time. I mean, Jared Leto did not give us Chinatown, so fuck off. I don't, I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, I, Jordan Catalano. I just, I just went like on a whole tangent. This is an episode about our hate of Jared Leto. Yes, exactly. I hate him. Um, Okay. So yeah, sorry. So, okay. So. So we sometimes just have serial. I think I'm trying to be like, how do we get into this? We got into it because we're talking about. Sometimes it's just a vehicle for an actor and the movie actually isn't. Right. That good. But before that, you were talking about how, you know, our, our killer and our pursuer of our killer have to be running this kind of like parallel course. Right. right. Um, and, and kind of thinking like each other. Sure. I'm going to throw a little kind of like curveball at Uh you and this is one of my favorite serial killer movies that maybe people love and people consider campy and for sure it is campy serial mom no okay (laughs) but it's also a serial killer movie eyes of laura mars oh man and that that's tommy lee jones yeah faye dunaway and uh brad dourif yes and ray abogenois it's one of my favorite movies so i that's a man that's such a bold thing and this is a this is a movie where 
spoilers, sorry y'all. Where this our, movie's forty something yeah, years old. <laughs> where our our killer and our pursuer of our killer turns out to be the same person. Same person. Which so I had never I saw that in college. That was the first time I saw it in in a class in this horror film class I took, um, and. When that happened, I was like, hold on, wait a minute. Is this allowed? Like, can you, and it's such, I think probably since then it's been mimicked. Yeah. Um, But the first time I saw it, like, honestly, I was like, that's so, it's so bold. Yeah. It's so bold. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's been probably done since, right? Mm -hmm. Been emulated. But I had not, I had never seen he I, was the killer all along I'd before. Nev- I'd never seen that and like, either. It blew my mind. It's Tommy Lee, I don't want to say young because I feel like he was born at, at 63 years old, right? Yeah, but, but he is, is like a young, early 30s Yeah, I mean, Tommy he, Lee Jones. He's really hot. Absolutely, great and looking guy. And he plays this police detective. So the whole premise, I'll be brief because we have others to talk about, but Faye Dunaway plays this uh, glamorous fashion photographer. She can only be glamorous, She Christy. can only be glamorous. Um called named Laura Mars right. and Laura Mars uh, the she has visions right and she's been seeing these visions of these people dying uh-huh um and it's it's weird because she can always see what the killer is seeing and they never really explain to you why that happens they doesn't don't matter. need to doesn't matter um anyway but it's sort of a trippy dreamy kind of film yeah it's trippy and dreamy and it's like the best part of it is that it's like early 80s, late 70s, fashion, glamour, yeah. New York. Uh-huh. And so you get a lot of that like gritty n- New York when it was still gritty and yeah. dirty and dangerous. Yeah, like taxi Just, driver yeah, New York. Like uh, cruising yes. also. Yeah, and I, I mean, we talk about this too. It's like also still just being shot on film and you're shooting sort of gritty New York on film. And that's mm-hmm. a very specific look that even I don't, I don't honestly think you can recapture today shooting on so. uh, digital. No, um, there's just can't. something about like you'll never you'll never see a movie again that looks like French Connection. You know what I mean? No, like, and I don't know. You know, <sighs> look, I mean, even and we're just talking about New York, but like God, that that city doesn't look anything like it used to, right? No, not um, at all. Um, not at all. It was they tried. I don't know if you've seen it, but they 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 do their best to sort of recapture that look in Joker. Um, with Joaquin Phoenix, even though it's Gotham. Yeah. It's like obviously emulating, but there's still like, man, watch documentaries about New York in the seventies and early eighties. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? Right. I mean, there's like, before um, Disney came to Times mm-hmm. Square, it was a very different scene. There even, even in something like, uh, which is not super old, even in something like devil's advocate, yeah. I guess it is super old, but you know, they do, you know, Harlem does not look like what Harlem looked like back then. Now Harlem's like, uh, I mean, sorry, but there were like Harlem and like other outskirts of New York places where it was just like bombed out buildings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they looked like you were in a bombed out. Cause they had huge fires in the seventies that took buildings. It was crazy. Um, So eyes of Laura Mars, eyes of Laura Mars. Yeah. That's a bold one. Let me throw a weird question out at you because I was mm-hmm. looking at that list you sent, which has some really great films, mm-hmm. but it also includes stuff like Halloween and Scream. Do you count slasher movies as serial killer movies? Because I do not. I don't either. And and I know technically it, I, it is if you're not dealing with like a supernatural force no, like Freddy Krueger like, or but you're Jason. Not, but in Scream, in Scream and Halloween, you're not really following or seeing the inner working of the killer. No, you're you are you're following the the last girl. Yeah, and and even and the last they, the last girl does not have like a, a weird connection with. The, well, not how can I? It, it's she's not it's, hunting the killer no, down. No, she's not. She's being pursued by the right. killer. It's not like 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 Laurie Strode and Clarice Starling are two very different yes protagonists. Absolutely, and I also think. And look, we just worked on you know obviously this is we made a slasher film and there is to me there is not a. There is less weight. This is going to sound terrible. Mm -hmm. There is less weight given to murder 
in slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? Does that no, make yeah, sense? I absolutely do. Because this, I mean, it's, I keep saying it. And I know people get tired of me saying it. The, I mean, slashers, <laughs> slasher is, the slasher is about the consequences of, of bad behavior. Yes. Like what you do when you behave badly as a teenager. Right. And the it's grand guignol yes it's meant the the killings are meant for you to go like oh, oh man God, yeah crazy the, and or it's, whatever. it's rare like look i love pj souls in halloween mm-hmm. i don't believe as an audience member i am supposed to feel emotionally disturbed when she's killed right. i want Lori to escape right but there's not like this sort of her like in seven Again, these are very different films, but in seven, the scenes of murder or torture, depending on which sin we're dealing with, are absolutely horrifying and emotionally fucking disturbing. The first scene of murder in Cruising is is emotionally painful to watch because I don't know, because you are you are seeing a person go through the steps of being terrified and seeing their impending death. Right. And you're dealing with, yes, you're just dealing with a different psychology, like a different emotional. So to me, I mean, look, I Halloween and scream are two of my favorite movies ever made. I think I've made They're that not very serial clear, killer movies. but in my mind, they are not serial killers. We, in my mind, we did not make no. a serial killer movie, even though, I mean, many people get murdered. <laughs> yeah, many people do get murdered. Those two cops didn't really Those save a lot of people. Those two cops kind of suck, Yeah, Christy. they do. They kind of do. But um, are performed brilliantly. Brilliantly. Um, one other thing I wanted to throw out, uh, if we're good on time. Yeah, we're uh, good on time. So, they, okay, so I was trying to think of like, okay, why, why, why do they work? Why don't they work? So we've already talked about a couple of those things. One other thing I came up with, and I might be way off, is... Because, I, you know, we watch a lot of murder documentaries yeah. at home. I'm sure you do as well. <laughs> we do too. A screenplay or a film it under, like, with the director and screenwriter, blah, 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 for the most part, still has to follow movie logic, right? right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you have to create a serial killer, whether they're real, mm-hmm. actually existed, or, or it's a, a fictional creation, that functions by the rules of a movie, Right. So that the cop has to get a clue mm-hmm. or the killer has to tip off the cop and play right. this sort of cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. Man, I watched some of these documentaries and it's like, it took them 47 years yeah, man. to did, find this man. Yeah. Did you, what? what's the, the Richard Ramirez one? Yes. I mean, that, they, they caught him fast, but there's like, no, no, the Hillside Strangler. Yes, that was decades 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 because that's not to say there wasn't a pattern or something that you could eventually break down but like the killer was not playing by movie rules right so it took from the seven like late 60s mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. to like a f- not too a long few ago. years ago yeah, to a few years ago for them to figure out who, who this man was right, which t- they're super smart that's the other thing about the slasher versus the serial killer is that you are not also following the psychology of the killer. No. Like you're, that's, that's not really that's part not of it. That's not really a part and of it. And if it is, it's in like a, like you said, like a Grand Guignol style monologue at the right. end. Right. Um, but I did, you know, like in Mr. Brooks, he does have that little monologue thing at the end of the movie where he, he kills the Dane Cook character in a very different way than, is his MO now. And, but before he does, he says to him, he says, I've, I killed many, many people before I even became who I am in so many different ways before I even became who I am now. Right. So that's terrifying to me. And you know that serial killers exist. Sure. I've seen enough documentaries. I know. (laughs) And I'm like, Man, like they they learn how to they yes. learn how to do it and they get better, better. at it. And I think in a, in most films, mm-hmm. you you don't have you don't have time, right? No, of and, course and not. Eventually, like even a, a movie like Zodiac, that of course, like you know, they don't solve it, right? Um, that ends up being about something very different, right? Uh, uh, most movies, yeah, serial so like you have to deal with the rules of film, mm-hmm. and I think one of the brilliant 
look, I'm not, this is not a hot take, but one of the brilliant ways that Demi works around that mm-hmm. in, in Silence of the Lambs is through Lecter. Right. Because Lecter is, is a serial killer, but he's not the serial killer of the movie, right? right. It's Buffalo Bill. And so we have Lecter explaining to Starling what's happening with Buffalo right. Bill, which is part of the, to me, part of the genius of that movie. Right. It's not just Starling on her own mm-hmm. sort of stumbling look, you know, she mm-hmm. has Moriarty or whatever right. helping her, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and which is, I think why I come back to like, that is, I, st- I just still think it's the best one, man. It really is. And I knew that that's where we were going to end yeah. up today. I was if, like, you know, we already, we've had like, Talking about all the the lector verse, yeah. But I knew that that's what it's where eventually we would come to. it just does everything so right. I oh. would say that's if you don't count Psycho, right? But is Psycho? This is. I mean, this, this was the is, question I wanted to is pose. Psycho, is it a slasher? Is it a serial killer movie? I what think is Psycho it? is it's is its own. I mean, you you know from the top, you yeah. know from the top that he's the killer. Um, and I think the question then becomes, how many people has he killed? Is this the first person? Yeah. So then, like, if we were to go down that road, which then some of the sequels and prequels sure. did, which, whatever. Hitchcock was not involved. No. <laughs> then you can begin to answer those questions. For the purposes of Psycho, I think it's a slasher. Yeah. I, think I mean, it's I just think it's arguably the first the slasher. The first slasher. And then... You know, you can then, after you watch the movie, go like, clearly he has done this before. Yes. So, but yeah. that's not for this story. Right. No, I agree. And so, and also look, I, it's psycho. We say, oh, it's the first, like, it is, <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like one of still to this day, like one of the greatest things ever shot. I yeah. can't, I can't, I will never be able to wrap my mind around what Anthony Perkins is doing in that movie. In that one, yeah. And I am that, literally that. paid to do the thing he does. I know. Not like he does. Like, I can't figure. He's, he's so good. He's so good. He's so, like that one scene, and I always talk about this scene, but it's the scene where he brings her dinner and oh, they're, and they're sitting God. in the little parlor behind the office and yeah. she's eating a sandwich and they're talking it's a masterclass. Masterclass. It's In fucking acting. unreal. It's, it's unreal. Okay. Uh, so I'm glad you brought up Psycho because, and Hitchcock, because we know that a person who, one, uh, um, one of the master directors who steals a lot, I'm going to say borrows, or has been inspired sure. by Hitchcock is Brian De Palma. I would say steals. Yeah. Steals. <laughs> he knows it, right? He knows, of course he does. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's doing it on purpose. Dressed to kill. Fucking A, man. It, the, the beginning of that movie is almost the same format as Psycho yes. with the Angie Dickinson character. Yes, and this is his this is his homage to Psycho, right? Right. So, I mean, but that is a serial killer movie, that or is it, it a slasher? So, oh, that's a... Oh, I, I think Dressed to Kill is laid out more like, like a, a serial, serial killer. killer movie. Because I think one of the... One of the things you brought up is... And I, I'm not saying they always have to follow the rules. And I think Psycho, look, Psycho is the prototype. Psycho for, made the rules. Yeah. I mean, Psycho is a prototype for so many different genres. It's like it's its own thing. But like like you said, Laurie Strode is very different than Starling. Right. Um, and it's if you pick any of like Sidney Prescott. And, right. And that's not to say Sidney doesn't have agency. Like I think she does. I think that's a huge change it's a huge change i mean sydney prescott is a huge change from laurie strode yes um well if if you ignore what halloween has become now yes if you just go back to halloween um that's not to say laurie isn't a badass but but there's a clear move in scream to make i mean they beat the shit out of the killer right multiple times like nev can't uh sydney does and even rose mcgowan before she gets it like um but she's still not Starling, she's right. still not sitting in a room with fucking notes. Whereas Dressed to Kill has like the psychologist and like you uh-huh. have, it feels more like the killer is being pursued right. than just a lone, protag- a, a main protagonist victim. Yeah, right? okay, being so pursued. here's the thing, because you, you, yeah. We're just yeah. giving people rules for <laughs> right. when you want to be a serial So I already, like I already said, I already, oh, so yeah, yesterday, what was, we were watching, me and Isa were watching 
uh well mr brooks oh yeah and, and and when he takes dane cook out and he goes like well i own the cemetery and blah blah blah, blah. yeah and she it's like you're just gonna kill me you're gonna drop me in the grave and cover me with some dirt and then someone will drop a coffin and i'll disappear and isa looked at me and she was like mom that's really smart, smart. Yeah. and i'm like yeah put yes. that in the notebook put that in the notebook um no i was gonna say again like starling we're following Starling and we're following Buffalo Bill. Uh-huh. L- Lecter's his own thing over here. Yeah, and honestly, like as we have said, not in the movie that much. Right. But we're we're seeing both of their psychology develop, right? Yes. We're, be- we're seeing why Buffalo Bill is who Buffalo Bill is. Uh-huh. And we are seeing why Starling is who Starling is. Yeah. Like what has led these two very different people to pursue the things right. that they pursue. And you're actually watching them get better at the thing. Exactly. Yeah. And in tandem. In tandem. Yeah. And you see where these two things may Yeah. Well collide, right? Collide. Yeah. No, I Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes a serial killer movie like, you know, and everybody knows it. Cops and criminals think alike sure i mean i think <laughs> look I, I i i mean i think you right i mean it, especially in terms of film i mean you have to right and if any if there's anything that david fincher's mind hunter holy shit has taught us yes is that in order to recognize a serial killer you kind of have to immerse yourself in the world of the serial and yes. think like one. Right. Or how else are you going to find And that's them? that's where the danger is. By the way, it's getting a new season. I am so excited. It is? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's it's coming good news. back. I know because I was Ooh, real sad. Me too. Well, and you're like, you never know because sometimes Fincher's like, ah, fuck it. I'm done. And yeah. you're like, well, he's David Fincher. He can do whatever he, he wants. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, I, I think, and like- You what, know what I mean? Do you yes. know what I'm saying? So I think like to, to even take another leap, I think what you are talking about eventually leads us to shows like Dexter. Right. Where the serial killer is your protagonist. Right. Because he's killing bad people. Because he's killing serial killers. Yes. He's a serial killer who kills killers. Yes. And so in some ways he has become the detective who, and he's what, a blood splatter expert, right? So in some ways he has become the authority that is... Not only thinks like a killer, but is the killer, right? Why yeah. are we obsessed with serial killers? And I'm not I, talking about you and me sitting no, in this room. I'm talking about our, our, society? our society. Do you mean real life serial killers or, or serial killer movies or just in general? Just in general. I mean, I can sit here and tell you why I like. I mean, sometimes it's really, really difficult to watch a serial killer movie. Be, they're harder to watch for me than horror movies. Absolutely. Because horror movie to me is fantasy. Yes. And serial killer is real it's brutal like they're even i love mindhunter there are a couple scenes in yeah. mindhunter i'm just like fuck me yeah man. yeah whereas like i can watch michael myers not this new michael myers no, not but, the you know new the one, real one og michael myers <laughs> i can watch him kill a bunch of teens right um, i mean i think you know this is a great question i I think part of it is fascination with darkness or whatever you call it or evil i think I, this I what would, makes a person do it yes a thing. i mean i think um, there is also part of you, maybe this is just me, but there's part of you that's like, wh- <sighs> what, what would it-, it take? Yeah. Yeah. So I read a long time ago and I, I am not a scientist, Michael. Well, I've, I've heard different, but, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> I read this one time that the amygdala in our brain uh-huh. has a lot to do with it. That when the amygdala touches is supposed to touch a part of your cerebral cortex right and that that is the thing that makes you feel like that's the thing that makes you be able to have empathy Empathy or like to picture yourself in someone else's shoes sure and studies have shown that there are people whose amygdalas don't touch and that those are people that will have more that are more prone to to be psychopaths or sociopaths yeah because yeah. they don't feel empathy. Because they don't feel empathy. Yeah. I'm So, I mean, I think, I definitely think that's part of the fascination. Not to say we're all sitting around being like, I would I be a serial killer? But like, look, those are real people. I mean, yes. and, and a lot of times, you know, you see like, for lack of a better word, they had like, quote, normal 
Not all of them, obviously, Not all of them. but some of them had sort of very traditional upbringing and all that. And it's just like, well, what happened? And then on the flip side, I do think, at least in movies and in a lot of these documentaries, there is also how the fuck did they find this person? Right. Which to me in the 70s, especially in the 70s and 80s, is always fascinating. Yeah, because, because they apparently didn't. Apparently, there was no science. There was no science back then. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't fucking know. Like, right. They, don't they have- had to like find a shoe yes. or something. With Ramirez, it was like this fucking shoe print. Um, right. And also, I love the way Ramirez found his end. Like, oh he, my God, dude. It makes me so happy, y'all, that Richard Ramirez made the fucking mistake of running into East LA. Yeah, dude. And they just beat the and they fuck were like, out of him. Fuck you. No. Yeah. You are not getting, You're not getting out of here. You're not getting out of here, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I do think there is, there is, if in real life, sure, but and then in, in a movie, like we go back full circle, if you create, if you create a compelling cop or journalist, right, it is interesting to watch someone put the puzzle together, right, right. Even if in real life you hate cops or whatever, like I know when we talked about um, Silence of the Lambs, the first time there's like been a whole backlash against Starling because she's a cop and all cops are bastards or whatever. I'm like, it's a fucking movie. I hate right. this place. Um, anyway, sorry, tangent. Th- there you want to watch this sort of person put it together. And like, to me, the extreme of that is Sherlock Holmes, right? Mm -hmm. Who gives us people like agent Dale Cooper, right? These sort of like almost mystical power. Right. And then on the flip side, you have like Mindhunter, like the one, his partner is just like this fucking bare bones. Yeah. What's the fucking evidence and how do we find the guy? And that's an interesting story. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know we're supposed, I mean, yeah, I've been radicalized in my own home where it's like, I can't enjoy cop stories that much anymore because now I'm like fucking cops. But I mean, someone like Starling is supposed to be the ideal. Like you see why she wants to become a cop. What happens to her afterwards is none of my business. Yeah. It's also in my mind, it's like, it's a fucking movie. Yeah. It's a movie. Um, Get over it. Get out. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. So I have some, I have some titles to throw out at you. I have a new phone and it's giving me. It's not as intuitive as the guy at the T-Mobile store promised. Me. <laughs> so I'm having trouble, or maybe I'm just an idiot. Uh, all right. Um, kiss the girls, along came a spider, bone collector. <sighs> yeah. How do you feel about those? Man, as movies. So, okay, I had this weird job. This is a weird tangent real quick. I had this weird job when I lived in Austin where I just answered phones all day and I was allowed to read books, but I could never read books that were too hard to read because I had to yeah, keep I totally answering the phone. Yeah, I totally get it, yeah. So I read those fucking books. As books, I was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Just sort of like somewhat trashy. Right. Um, I, They're not my favorite movies. But they're, I but mean. But they are entertaining. Sometimes I throw them on just to totally. be like, okay, it's a serial killer movie. It's like, it's like low fat serial yes. killer movie. And that, like the books. Right. And I enjoyed those books. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because I do like serial killer movies that have strong uh, girl yes, hero. Yes, and she's good. She's like, it's, she's, yeah. it, those are well cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, they're tight. What is Ashley Judd, yeah. Angelina Jolie? Come like, on. All, okay, and it's always got. It always seems to have Morgan Freeman. It's Morgan because he plays the cop, right? But Bone Collector is Denzel Washington, isn't it? Yes. Okay, I believe so. Um, I wonder are the yeah, it's the same. It's the same author. Okay, how do you feel about this? Is an old school. Uh oh, little girl who lived down the lane. Do, oh, Jodie Foster, Martin Sheen. It's funny. We were talking about this movie the other day. I I would need to go back and rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a deep love for it only because, well, not only, but because I know very well that it heavily influenced Mark Frost and David Lynch. Ah, uh, really? Yeah, Frost has talked about it. Oh wow! So I can see that now. Yeah. So I that, had never put those two together. I would never have thought that. Uh, just because I, I haven't seen that movie in a while, but fr- I think I think I have Frost has spoken about you it. One of them just has said about it. fucking blew my mind. So if mind. you go back with that in mind, and if you look at, if you go to Twin Peaks, The Return, they even, oh, like, shit. there are lines like, she's the little girl who lived down, she was a little girl who lived down the lane. So, yeah, that, so I have like. Because I love that movie. Yeah, I, I need to watch it again. It's been a long time, but I, I remember really liking it. But then when I learned that, I was like, well, this is. Oh, my is- God, I got, I just got chills. I know that might be crazy to some of y'all, but I love movies, y'all. Okay, 
Um, from hell. Oh, Christy. Oh, this is, I want to love that movie and I can't. Why? I just, and she is one of my favorite people. Heather Graham. Yes. Yeah. Dude, and you know how much I love Heather Graham. I know. Like one of my first huge crushes. I know. Why is she in that movie, I don't know. There's so many wonderful British actresses yeah. that could have been in that movie. And like movie. she's great in stuff. Yeah, sure. But does not belong in that movie. No. And I want that movie should be a movie that I fucking love. I and know. I don't because Because of that. it's like, it's beautiful to look at. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful and to it's look at. And Depp and his like Depp opium infused best. Yeah. And it's Sir Ian Holm. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. And it's um, a great, like, I mean, it's the Ripper. I mean, come on. Right, right. You're yeah. supposed to love it. It's okay. That one thing that, oh, um, that hurts me. Tenebrae. Oof. So can we talk? I know we, we don't have a lot of time. Sure. But can we talk a little bit about Argento and, yeah, we and, and the Giallo? Yeah, go for it. No, I was just going to say, like, I mean, that is what Jalo is. Yes. But do you consider the Jalo movies to be serial killer to be movies? Serial killer Because you would have to include opera and like Profundo Rosso. Right. And um, to me, it's its own thing. Uh, I mean, you are absolutely dealing with a serial killer. Right. Um, it is treated differently than a, sla- a slasher. But to me, it's also treated differently than like what we're talking about as a traditional mm-hmm. serial killer. So much of it is hinged on style. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just feel like Jiao is its own thing. It's its own kind of like Grand Guignol type. Yeah, thing. right. Am I crazy? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. So okay, so there's. I just want although to people it should see Tenor. Like these yeah, are you should see. These you movies. should see them. They are um, maybe not for everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. I like Malice. I fucking love Malice. Even though it's not about the serial killer, there's like a serial killer side story. Yeah, it's a great serial but killer it's, side it's story, It's a great Christy. serial killer side story. I, I am I, God. I am God. I fucking oh, love man. that movie. We I, watched that a couple of years ago. Can you ago. imagine what it must be like to be Alec Baldwin right now? Oh my God, But it's no. really, really, yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. And it's early, <sighs> is it Paltrow? Yes. When she's very young. Very, right? very, very young. Yeah. And Kidman, when she still looked like Kidman. Yeah. Curly um, hair and all. All right. So hold on one second. Um, there is one that I love that's very trashy. Okay. But I will watch it no matter what. It's trashy. Okay. It's Black Widow with Deborah Winger and Teresa Russell. Oh, hell yeah. And it's so trashy. Okay. But this is a, I mean, this is a serial killer movie. Yes. It, it, and this is the classic example of what you and I are talking about, which is where we've got pursuer and pursued. Yes. Coming on, together. Coming together. And then there's like weird uh, er, erotic energy yeah. between them. All right. So we got to talk. Do you know, can you, do you know what year it is off the top of your head? No, it's got to be like 80. It was post urban cowboy okay. and all that stuff. So, so this, it's got to be like 83, 84. So I think this is where our age gap comes in. Uh, that movie made me feel things. <laughs> uh, and I was confused by it. And also it was violent. And I think that's an early, uh, one of the earlier films I saw that combined sort of yeah. sex and violence. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was born in 75. So I was probably quite young when yeah. I saw it. And I was like, these ladies are attractive. So it's also violent. It was, uh, Kind of a, a formative, a, yeah, formative film yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say that I saw it as a young teen. Uh huh. But it was also formative for me. Sure. And it has remained like one of my favorite trashy serial killer movies. And it's not even, it's not even super v- violent. Super violent. No. But it is dangerous. It is, and se- it and is sexy. sexy. Christy. Come on, Christy. It and is sexy. <laughs> Teresa Russell and Deborah Winger. Come on. In bikinis in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You want to see that film? Yeah, you do. You do. You should go see it. You should go see it. Go see it in theaters. Perfume. Uh, I really liked Perfume. I like it too. And and I don't know if a lot of people have seen that film. No, I think you should go watch Perfume. It is Dustin Hoffman, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's not a, really the lead. No, no, no. Yeah. He's not. He's. It's a period piece. Yeah. It's really interesting. And an, a, I thought a very bold take on the serial killer story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, you should check out Perfume. It's a really interesting film. And here's another one that I'm going to throw out that I don't know if you've seen. It is out of Mexico and it is from like mid to mid, like I think maybe 10 years ago. It's a movie called Bajo La Sal. 
Under the Salt in English. I have not seen this. It is a really, really, really good serial killer movie. And our protagonist is a high school kid who likes to, who does like claymation movies. Cool. Um, and gets immersed. Drawn in, into some shit. Drawn into some shit. It's really, really good. Bajo la sal, under the salt. Okay, I will check that out. Um, it's a really good serial killer movie out of Mexico. Um, I think we're out of time. Awesome. We've solved it. We've solved it. Go make your serial killer film, everybody. Yep, exactly. We're going to do but one too. don't be a serial killer. But don't be a serial right. killer. Unless don't. the serial is Lucky Charms. Real quick, before we go. Do you like Serial Mom? I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember liking it because it's Kathleen Turner. Yeah. I'd be interested to get your take. Okay. Because it's very campy and okay. you generally appreciate camp. I do. So, uh, yeah, I'll right. watch it. We will, I'll watch yeah, it. We'll get back and to I'm a mom, and I know that anybody who would hurt my kids- <laughs> You would murder. I would murder. Sure. And on that note, <laughs> thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Rock outro. Woo. <laughs> <laughs>